And welcome to another edition of Calling the Audible. Wait a minute, Mo. Why is it just you? I am solo today. You know what? Leave the headsets. I don't need the headsets. You don't need the headsets at all? No. Also, the camera's there. They'll look at me. <laughs> no. I'm looking at you, though. All right. Uh, I am solo today as uh, PZ is away uh, due to work. Iggy is with his girlfriend. Laurie is... I don't know where Laurie is at tonight. She says she's busy. Uh, we asked James Drysdale. He was not available. We asked uh, Eagle. He's available. And I'm, I'm available. That's it. It'll be a show. It'll be a quick show. Out quick of all show. the shows we would have done, this will be one of them. This will be one of the most efficient, fastest 60 minutes of FPF talk we'll ever have here starting now as we are approaching the end of the prelim round and heading <laughs> towards the knockout stages of this uh, season here, Eags. And before we get to it, uh, winter registration has officially opened up, so please... Well, no. Well, it's been announced. It's, it's not announced. opened up yet. It's coming very soon. How soon? November 5th, right? November 1st is officially when it's supposed it's to be open. It's Tuesday. That's what I said. But yes. Register anyway. as of November 1st. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. So anyway, uh, November 1st... It's okay. It's not like we have a lot of behind-the-scenes work we have to do before this happens, but that's okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so November 1st is when the winter registration will open up. And, of course, winter's our biggest season. And the first weekend of games would be January 8th and 9th. And that's when we, we, we would begin the season. And or sorry, January eighth and ninth, right? Yeah, seventh, seventh yeah. and eighth is when we would begin the season. <laughs> and it would go all the way to J- April fifteenth, sixteenth, and uh, for and all Duns, Duns, yes, we have uh, a tradition like no other. We're doing the fifteenth or sixteenth for Duns, sixteenth, right? Oh, that's a good question. I'd prefer to do the Saturday because if I do the Sunday, the Monday morning is really rough. Yeah, I mean, but Saturday's kind of like the Sunday's kind of like you you wrap up the year. Celebration at the end. True, but I also think like anyway, we can talk about it later. We can do a double duns if you want. Oh, no. that sounds good. Or we can do one night duns. We'll do Are you going to reserve in advance? What do we do? If you remember three years ago, before COVID hit in 2019, we went to some spot at Distrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And you then got, like, a little we salad did duns or something. the following night. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, so we'll definitely do that. So winter registration will officially open up as of next week. And you can sign up your team. Uh, there's no un- there's no limited teams you can play for this year, right? Correct. Correct. So slight change in terms of how that works. Beforehand, you were only able to play in up to three teams. That regulation went away, but it became you could only play in a number of divisions. You couldn't play four A and four B. That will also change. However, registration you can still only register for one division four or division five team, as an example. Yeah. And then after we split them, then you're allowed to join or sub for a team in the other uh, lettered division at that point. Yeah. So, and also for for ratings, I know people have been constipated about that. If you have an issue, please check with Eagle and others on your rating because people want to have a lower rating for them to play with their buddies. So. We'll see how that plays out as well. So winter registration will open up as we wrap up here for this uh, prelim round. Awards will be announced in the coming weeks here, Eagle. Uh, I would imagine so. I'm not <laughs> responsible for those, but yes. Please, and check out the checkout. Check out the uh, knockout round schedule as well. That's very important for you to check out. It's already posted up on your tiers, and check that out. And play- eligibility, you need four games to be eligible for playoffs, so please check that out as well. So you get ready for that. All right, let's dive into it, Eagle. Since I don't have PZ here to kind of bounce things off of and, and talk 80s movies with them. Uh, dive into Tier 4. And one thing I looked at this year is QB Roulette. Mm-hmm. We know this team very well. We play this game every single week on who the quarterback will be. 
Uh, we'll play the spin the wheel in a few seconds here with the Eagle. Uh, keep it real up. I have to believe they need to figure out who the quarterback is going to be the rest of the way. Um, I saw them twice this week, once in St. Laurent and once in Laval. And Ken Boutillier, unfortunately, had to be quarterback on Monday and uh, did not do a good job, and he knows it himself. And I think this team is a good core a group of players, but now they got to figure out who is going to be their main thrower of this team moving forward if they come back for future years because they cannot do this QB roulette stuff. It's cute. Let's spin the wheel and find out who the quarterback will be this week. Zachary Abigail's. Okay, so Zach has to be the quarterback this week. But I can't work, Eagle. You know that, man. You it's so loud. You know that, Eagle. You cannot have... I mean, you need to have an actual quarterback that's consistent so you can build rapport with, right? Not only are your receivers going to be receivers so that they know who's actually throwing to them, but yeah. also it's the whole synergy, right? It's understanding a playbook, building out the, the you know the routes that you like and everything, building a system around it. If that changes every single week, it turns into a disaster in terms of any type of like chemistry that you're going to build. So, yeah, you have to eventually pick someone. Like we said, it's cute. It's nice. It's hilarious. But if you want to win games, I mean, this team clearly doesn't. No, they don't. And they got to figure out this quarterback thing because if they if they go into this winter season with this core group, you can't do that. You're, you're going to get killed. You're going to get killed. And at 0-7, they'll have one chance, single elimination for their hopes of trying to make a run in the playoffs or of the Tier 4. They have primetime next week. I mean, that's going to be a loss, right? <laughs> primetime is very good, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, and speaking of very good, save the turf tolls. Mm. Um, they're 7-1, Eags, and... I don't know if I'm buying this team yet. I don't know if they're the f true favorites to win this division. I like the Penetrators a lot. I think the Penetrators, I've seen them a few times play this year. They have a good, good core group in place. And if you look at their schedule this year, they did beat Save the Turf Tolls by 10 points. But that's the only loss that Save the Turf Tolls took, right? That 10-point exactly. uh, loss and everything? Exactly. And the Penetrators have Step Rose coming up uh, for the last game of November 6th. But I just don't know if Save the Turf Tolls have uh, the depth to compete with the penetrators. If they do meet up at some point in the knockout stages, whether it's now or later, whenever it might be, I think that they would beat them, uh, the penetrators, over the Save the Turf Tolls. They're a good team, Save the Turf Tolls, but I don't think they're better than penetrators as we speak. So both Turf Tolls and penetrators are going to end up in the double elimination bracket, right? The yes. top bracket. So there's a possibility, and you know, walk through the logic here. They meet at one point. Yeah. One of them will lose, clearly. The, it's possible the losing team runs the table in the bottom, the, the loser bracket, makes itself all the way to the finals and is a rematch of that particular game. And this would be their third matchup that, this year at that point. Yeah. And the thing is, what's fascinating with these two teams is that now they have the luxury of, of double elimination. So if they bleep up, they can still make it up back to the finals. Now, when I look at, see, the Turf Tills, Vincent Chang is an is amazing player for them. I think he's an excellent player who can definitely play at higher divisions. But I look at this penetrator roster, and they, they're just full of talent all over the field. I think their quarterback plays phenomenal for what they have built up, and we know him very well and what he's done this year. And Justin Goodman, I think he's a great player. I think their defense is pretty tenacious in what they've done. I know they only have six INTs, but they play really good coverage. I think Halpern's really good. Uh, Boydman as well and Goodman. That form a good, strong trio here. And I just think that <laughs> for Nicholas Fawn, who I, who I believe now, Ego, if you look at his receiving stats, he's played three years or three seasons, I beg your pardon. He's on his way, I think, to becoming one of the top players for at least for the lower half of the FPF divisions. And eventually we'll make it up to two or three at some point in his career if he does stay long term. 
So I think Nicholas Fawn is a, is a matchup nightmare, and I think he can definitely give whoever they'll face in the knockout rounds plenty of problems on both sides of the football. I mean, you see it right against the turf, though. Three receptions, three touchdowns on those catches, 50 yards. So, yeah, that's something that uh, they have to figure out and game plan around for sure. Yeah, so Dragons is a team that I look at, and I've, I've scored Red Dragons. Few, Red Dragons, that's right, yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking about uh, <laughs> Double Dragon, the, the old video game that uh, – I don't know if you played Double Did you play Double Dragon? I didn't play Double Dragon, no. It's a fantastic video game, by the way. I think he, I think Peace may have played Double Dragon. Oh, that would make sense, because he is old. He is old. Uh, by the way, how was the... Uh, I didn't go. I had family over. I couldn't go. I, I had broadcasting all weekend. But uh, I don't... Okay, by the way, before we... Uh, I don't go off track here, but... Uh, happy birthday to Peasy. Yes. Uh, he had a nice uh, get getaway with the boys and, his, and the girlfriends and the wives. Uh, up north, it was, yeah. H- his girlfriends and his wives, all of them. Yes, plenty of wives. All right, so there was there was a video that was posted on social media on PZ's account where they're filming the barbecue, right, with the meat and all that stuff. And the camera veers going left to right. And as it moves to the right of the of the of the shot, you see our very own Simone Dagenet, who's a longtime friend of ours and longtime co-host here on the show, posted up like he's doing like a GQ model. Look for like Wrangler jeans. That sounds about right. I mean, it is Simone. <laughs> I go, man, Simone looks like he's a fucking model. Anyway, I just thought about that. I go, I go, peace. What's up? Simone's modeling or what? He's like, yeah, he is modeling right now. So, Dragons is a team that I'm pretty fascinated by, Red Dragons. Um, slow start of the gates. They were blown out a couple of times here. And now they're three and four. And this team here, Eags, I watched them play a few times this season. They're pretty good. They're a pretty good team overall at what they've built up here. I love the receiving core that they have right now. Uh, Emil Bululo is a guy that who's played really well for this team. I think he's a guy to watch out for for years to come. He is like a, an elastic band out there, almost like Stretch Armstrong practically. Like you can put his body in a, in a in a contraption, he'll come up with the with the big catch for that team. I think for the Red Dragons though, if they're gonna make a big run and surprise some teams here. I think a guy like Guillaume Boulanger is a guy that can make some noise. He did so uh, against Step Rose at Saint Laurent on Monday, and they're starting to grow in confidence here after their loss to the Penetrators back in October. But now I think they're a team that could definitely be a tough out and be in the top half of the bracket for double elimination. I'm a little bit worried about this team when I'm looking at their schedule and who they played and what the results were. The this describes a gatekeeper team. You beat all the teams that are under you, and you lose to all the teams that are above you. play up, play down. Exactly. So, yeah, you lose to primetime, you lose to turf tools, you lose to penetrators. We know those are the good teams, and then you just beat everyone else. <laughs> and so, sure, you'll be okay. You'll probably get past the first round in the, uh, the upper bracket. You'll probably lose in the second round. You might win in the second or third run, I guess, in the lower bracket. But eventually, the fate will catch up to you. You're going to hit a team that you're not going to be able to match up against just because they're going to be better than you, and that's going to be the end of it. So I'm hoping they, they surprise me, and we don't actually have that result because it's always fun to hear, like, the Cinderella run, let's call it, and this yeah. could be that team. It's just it's not looking good based on the results that they had throughout the regular season. That 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 narrative writes itself. Right. Uh, on to Coed. Uh, Fast and Fierce. This is a team that is now 5-0-1. They have two games in hand, uh, one game in hand against Y and Y, two left in the season. Uh, I'm looking at it. <laughs> I think they can make a run for first place here. I think they can catch and surpass and get the number one seed. I mean, the final two games is going to be a melting pot. Uh, and easy fun. And easy easy fun, fun might be a little bit of a challenge. I think Poach will be okay with. Poach should win. But I, I think, and look, I know we have a lot of, we have a missile crisis with PZ and, and Y and Y. 
what's going on. By the way, did uh, Gino ever respond back to that? Nope. Does he even know about it? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, but I think Fast and Furious might be the best team in this division. I think yeah. the wealth of talent that they have, going for the Miles Gibbon, the receiving core is solid. Uh, the female content is very good on this roster. And <laughs> if they do run the table here where they end up being 7-0-1, um, that should be enough for them to get the number one seed, which would definitely be an uh, opportunity where they where they might they might not have an t- easier road because they might have to face easy fun at some point here or even kiss my end zone. But I just think that this team has so much experience from what they have from an FPF standpoint that I don't think they fear anyone in this division moving forward. I think that's the part that worries me a little bit in that their record is very skewed by the lower teams that they've played um, and that there are potential matches. And, like, Easy Fun's going to be, like, the first one, if I want to call it that, where they're actually going to have a true challenge. Kiss my end zone, they tied. So I think that's kind of, like, representative in terms of where they're at. But they didn't play the villains, did they? I (laughs) Hold on here. Let me just check this out. I didn't see it on their list unless I missed it. They they had a lot of games. No, they did not play the villains. They didn't play Y&Y. No. And Fit Squad, I think, was a close game. Or am I even wrong that it didn't play that? Uh, Fit Squad is, was, is, will be, yeah, I am buying time. Here's my thing is loading up. Uh, no, they did not play Fit Squad. So think about it, right? They're currently sitting in second, arguably potentially first place. They haven't played the one team. They haven't played the three team. They have to play the four team. They tied the five team. They haven't played the six team. So you're seeing the False Kings. I think they're False Kings. Oh! Yeah, false king alert. False king alert. I don't think they're false kings. I think I think, I think they'll be competitive, but I don't think they've been challenged. I think that's where you're actually going to see what their true colors actually. And it are. might hurt them in the playoffs, right? Yep, agree. It might hurt them in the playoffs and who they face. But I think if they do win out, their they, their um, reseeded brackets might be tough because they might face easy fun and kiss my end zone, which isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And who knows after that though? Maybe free smoke or bench warmers. Who knows? Uh, by the way, when you look at this right now in coed, I know there's 15 teams, which is massive for coed. We could have nine, maybe ten. That would be 500 or better for knockout rounds. How impressed are you by that? Um, so I'm always a little bit hesitant in terms of is, is that impressive or is just everyone beating up on the same teams, right? You have three teams that are winless. You have two teams that only have one win, which means that there's going to be a ton of teams with wins. So I think it's more that rather than I'm, I'm impressed by those teams. Mm-hmm. If it's very tight and everyone has the same number, like everyone's, let's say, like a 2-5 to, you know, 3-3, three, 4-3 three, type of range. Yeah. I think that would be a little bit more, like, representative of the closeness of the division. I just feel like here, like, everyone has beaten the weaker teams, and then they've been grinded uh, by the upper teams, and so you end up in the middle range. And so this doesn't really tell me a big story at this point. Well, I think I think it's positive that you have maybe 10 teams who are going to be potentially 500 or better. Because the problem is that you know and I know in FPF, right? It's, it's a random, it's random registration because mm-hmm. we don't know who's good and who isn't good. And in this case, we're with Coed exploding with 15 teams in one division. There was that whole angst, okay, well, if you have one division, what happens at that point, right? There's no question you have teams that are getting slaughtered right now. It's going to happen. But to have well, more, more than half your teams, 10 almost, that could be 500 or better at this point in the year, I think is a huge t- statement to what the league is now <laughs> developing from that level of, of talent. And I think that it bodes well for the future of Coed that we can perhaps have once we, again, there'd be three divisions in the winter season, yep. that when we do more of a breakdown, that there'll be more parity involved and more of a, 
of uh, excitement with all these games going towards the future years of the co-ed divisions. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, it's, it's exciting to kind of think about what that prospect's going to be like. I'm just looking at this right now and saying, like, if you – like, that, that's a lot of wins that have been handed out, right? Like, we're talking about 19 different wins that are scattered amongst the other 12 teams. And even then, like, there's only two that have been allocated to 11 and 12. So, for me, that's more the justification to it rather than it's been tight. Like, we've seen other divisions in the past, Mo, where it's been extremely aggressive, where seeds 5 to, like, 16 are all fighting for a playoff yeah. spot, right? Yeah. And so, combine the fact that, like, there's weaker teams and there's only eight games in the season, if your schedule had three of those, like, bottom teams on it, congratulations, you're already at 375, right? Like to hit right. 500 is not hard. You have to win one more game out of five games. So that's why I'm not super impressed with it, even though it does tell a nice story when you look at the numbers. So would you rather have, and and I like this right now with what we have, but would it be concerning if it was, say, and this wouldn't be the case, but if, say, more than half the teams were well below 500, like two and five, two and six, than being three and three, three and one, or four and three at this point of the year. I think that would depend on how many teams are in the upper standings. If there's only one or two standouts, and most people are on the lower end, that means they're they're cannibalizing each other, and we've seen that before too. But I think that w for me would be more representative of like, yeah, you know, all the teams are like fair and balanced. Yeah. Because of the fact that you know everybody's taking wins off each other, as opposed to taking wins off of like the lower place teams, and right. they're losing to like two or three teams at the top. So, I don't know. It it really depends on how you think about how you like your divisions. I like full balance across the board, or maybe you have like one or two standout teams, and then it kind of yeah. you know uh, bell curves its way in the middle and then back to the bottom. This just feels too skewed to the lower end and the upper ends right now. Uh, pick one team on the green side of the bracket, Eags, that you think is going to be a flame out in the knockout stages. I feel like you have your team, and that is fast, not furious. I mean, I wouldn't say they're going to flame out necessarily. I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, I, it's a good question, honestly. I can see, I can see bench warmers potentially flaming out depending on who they get. They beat Kiss My End Zone in the first week by one point. They lost a free smoke, which is somewhat surprising. They have the Villains and Fit Squad coming up this week, and I think those will be games that are going to challenge them and might force them to drop down in the standings a little bit more. So that that could be the team that actually, I mean, not only leaves the upper bracket, but maybe hits that eight seed and then yeah. gets a matchup against like a Y&Y or Fast and Furious, and I don't think that's going to be a good matchup for them. See, for me, the, the team that I'm watching out for, I know you. that's a good good guess for what could be a, not a one and done, but a two and done here. But I'm curious to see Kiss My End Zone and what they are because we know this team very well, very well with PZ and all these guys. But <laughs> I don't know if they've reached – I don't know if they're – they might be peaking at the right time. They might be peaking at the right time to be where they're at. But I just think that for them, they had a bit of a glitchy start to the year, and they're picking it up now. Well, but I mean, I, that's kind of expected though, right? So if we know the um – I'll call it, do I call it the Peace Playbook, I guess, in terms of what's in, been inspired from there? It's a lot of scheming. It's a lot of understanding where receivers need to be and wh who's going to be open, depending on what the defense is doing, who they want on that read, moving through the progression pretty quickly. So if you're coming into a team that runs that system, and it's an, either a QB who's getting used to their receiver or the receiver's getting used to the QB, depending on who came in first, I mean, this is an amalgamation of people, right? So getting that chemistry in place to know where you're supposed to be when and when you're going to be targeted versus someone else, to, to get that timing in place to run that system, it takes a few games. And so 
I can understand why it was a little bit of a, a slow start, but the last three games have been quite impressive. I the, think they who were they beating though. Smoke. They beating who? They beat some pretty crap teams though. True. Badgers, uh, sneaky snakes. They beat in, and I forget the other team they beat in as well. Yeah, true. But then again, like if you're if you're gonna tell me that hey, you lost the bench warmers by one point in week one without being you know on all cylinders because it's brand new essentially. If you lose to Y and Y by a score under the same pretense. And then you manage to win the next four straight with a tie for Fast Not Furious, the number two team. I don't see that as a bad thing either, though, right? Like, yeah. I, I see that as only moving forward. And I think, again, Free Smoke is going to be a win that's going to jump them up to standings. And then once they're like a, a well oiled machine and firing in all cylinders, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be, uh, they'll be good for the rest of the way. And all it takes, I mean, we know the system. It takes one mistake from uh, Palo de la Roca to screw this team up. And that's that's all it is. Take a deck of cards, man. One card slips, it's over. On to tier three, um, Arouche Bruins. Go on. Who, who you got? I mean, that's I, a I'll very tell you, generic statement. Okay, I'll, go, I'll first. go first. I got Arouche. <coughs> I got Arouche. I, I, I like this team. Score kept their game at Laval on Wednesday because this show go on Friday, I think. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> look, I believe this Arouche team is built to last for a long time in the in the knockout stages because in years past Arouche would always have these great regular seasons and kind of like you know peter out in the playoffs but this team now with what they built up here I like their defense a lot they play physical in a good way and they come up with key plays and their offense is explosive I think Eric Lalone has really matured as a quarterback He's developed a really good rapport with his, with, with his receivers and what they've built up here. Simone Isaiah has had a great season. Thomas Lego has had a phenomenal year. I think he had four TDs the other day. And <laughs> this is a team that's more balanced attack now. And if they do play the Bruins, I think they would steamroll the Bruins. I wouldn't say steamroll. I mean, I think the the size matchup is definitely there and, and favored towards Arouge, but Bruins are also very smart in the way they play their game. Their defense is nothing to like shy away from. So I think, you know, they will challenge balls which I think the Arouge receivers probably wouldn't uh, have been challenged in their other games. Maybe the Warriors are the closest team to have that level of aggressivity on defense that they played and that game only came down to 7 points. So I, I don't, I'm not so sure. I think I think you would maybe want to give the edge to a Rouge just because their improvement this year has been pretty significant. Although the, the Trap Stars loss is a little bit of a question mark in my head because I don't think Trap Stars have been very strong this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're at Little Midnight. They're going to beat for sure and, and solidify themselves in that upper seed. So yeah, I... I think on paper you go with Arouche, but I just I can't bet against Bruins. They've clearly shown that they are the best team in Tier 3. We know Gab Wiseman, uh, in retrospect, probably shouldn't have been let into this tier. Um, so Mia Copa on that one. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on Arouche just yet. I'm sold. You're sold? I'm sold. By the way, we didn't do the Arouche Challenge. We didn't because you weren't there the last couple weeks. Well, two weeks ago was because of a glitch because you had the uh, rules meeting. Yes. And then last week was because... You weren't there. I had soccer. I had soccer broadcast. That's right. And it was supposed to be this week, but then... We'll do next week. Yeah, next week. Next week. Next week. Because I'm not here after that, man. I'm gone. Uh, next week, I'll roost. That's it. I'm, I'm donezo for the rest of the season here at uh, FPF for... Uh, Breaking news. Uh, speaking of Trap Stars, look, Trap Stars are in the yellow of the um, of the bracket right now at 3-3. Three and three. Um, <laughs> You mentioned a point. This isn't a good... I mean... 
in terms of their normal roster, maybe not as as high high octane here, but if they're on the yellow side of the knockout round, I wouldn't bet it against them to go to the finals. I wouldn't either. I think the problem this year for them has been their roster inconsistency, right? Like, you're missing – you have subs coming in for sure, but, like, who were their top six in every game? You have Cooper Young, David Giroud, D- Dylan Garber, James Wiseman, and then Ryan Garber. That's five. And so who is receiver number six or defender number six that comes in right now? Phil Cutler's sub three games. Great. He's the only one that at this point – or Jonathan Steinberg – that would potentially be playoff eligible. They need to play one of the next two games uh, for Cutler or both games for Steinberg in order to fit themselves in. Right. If not, this team is five people. So we haven't seen Trap Stars be this way in previous seasons. It's been like a, a core squad. I don't know if it's injuries or scheduling or whatever it was, but it just clearly has not worked out this year. And I think that's hurt them in terms of not being able to provide consistent results in their games. Now, here's the thing, though. Right? They, get the, they get the Bruins on the weekend. They've already taken out... And then they have the Limos the next day. Right. So they're already taking out Arouche um, back in week six. If they were to beat Bruins on the weekend, I think it changes the whole perspective, a, prog- a narrative of what they are as a team. I think we... I would take them more seriously. And they might be on the green side of the bracket by the time it's all said and done. But I just think they're, the way that they had the wealth of playoff experience that they've gone through in years past with this core group of guys, <laughs> they, they know what it takes to win. And a guy like Cooper Young, who's got a great rapport with uh, with Ryan Garber. Dylan Garber we know because of the Garber connection. Um, David Drew's really found a, a niche as a middle or deep middle receiver for uh, Garber. They have the tools in the shed. It's a question of how they apply those tools and try and fix this, fix this car up moving forward. So I do like Trap Stars. And even if they're on the yellow side of the bracket – I think they have a good chance to go to the finals if it ends up being that case. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see a win against the Limos. And then the Bruins game, like you mentioned, is going to be the interesting one. Can you actually compete? Can you can you stay up with that team? Yeah. Or is this going to be the game where you get exposed to who you actually are and you know back down the road, the ladder, essentially? Right. When you look at a team like uh, Kiss My uh, In-Laws, this is a team now positioned at number three. If they were to win out, uh, they could get the number one seed. Uh, with Arush and Bruins and one and two, respectively speaking here. So right now, Eags, I have Kiss My In-Laws finishing number two. And that means they would jump either the Bruins or Arush. I think they're a really good team. Mind you, I don't think that they would jump both teams, but I think they can jump one of them. So how would they not jump them, right? Because right now they are 6-0, and oh, if I can do math properly. In-Laws. Yes. And they have Warriors and Sule Fest left. So are you are you suggesting that in laws are going to drop one of those games, or yeah. that that they're going to oh they're going to drop one one of them? game? Which one? I will go. See the Warriors with Rabinovich and these guys. They're I, I and, and Ziegler as well. They are tricky. The Warriors are a tricky team. I know they they've been banged up by the injury bug, but I think this uh, and Mitch Fergabom as well. They have a really good tier core group in place. I think the Warriors could pull out the victory over these guys. Interesting. And, and look, Fergabom has is a good quarterback. Um, Adam Rabinovich has become a really good two-way player for them. He had a massive pick six for them the other night against um, uh, who did they play? Uh, Fat Liver Midnight, I beg your pardon. And Ziegler's played really well for them. And, and Dylan Diane has had a really good season. They have guys in place that are really good players. So I'm going <laughs> to circle that, that game where they could beat 
uh, kiss my in-laws and ruin their chance to be number one seed. Interesting. You think they can get the number one seed? I can see it if Zachary Alberts Gill isn't able to contain Mitch Fergenbaum, um, because he knows how to like escape the pocket by time and kind of roll out and everything. But that, I mean, that's really contingent on if if Gill can you know force the pressure on him and force those throws. I trust the in-laws' defense, having just witnessed it, uh, to be extremely competent at shutting down angles. So. Right. Uh, quick here, Don Bougie, Voodoo, or Killer Rays. Pick one team that can maybe be a threat to the top three. I think <laughs> I think Diamond Bougie is a team to watch out for. I think so too. Um, I never bet against Voodoo in the what I call the tick seasons, the ones that they're doing well. So I can totally see Voodoo also um, being up there. But I think Diamond Bougie is that team where they have the roster, they have the quarterback, that it's just a matter of making sure that you can execute every game. Clearly, twice they have not been able to do that this season. So just avoid those. Try and hit the matchups you like, and you should be okay. Voodoo, I think, is a little bit more of a, I'm going to say safer bet, but they are much more easily to expose based on the matchups, if that makes sense. All right, on to Tier 2, Eeks, as we roll through this, uh, how do we call this, Uh, swipe right episode? Is that what that is? Speed dating. (laughs) Speed dating episode. (coughs) Yeah, speed dating episode. Sorry, it's really You like pina coladas and walks on the beach? No, not really. <coughs> Sorry, it's really dry in here, by the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's really filling me today. Anyway, you want a bottle of water? I have water right here. Okay. I'm just trying to uh, truck through this here. Okay, Game Changers to, uh, Santar. This is, these are two teams right now, uh, both three and four. Uh, game Changers do have the tiebreaker head to head over Santar. So, hey, give it up for Game Changers, by the way. Hey, like getting it back into the groove. Anton Sack is getting back into the quarterback rhythm and putting up. Is it three wins in a row now? If I if yeah, I check that properly, wins. yeah, that's that's impressive to dig yourself out of a big hole and put yourself into right now what is a upper bracket seed. Yeah. So do they hold on to that upper bracket seed and get the double elimination uh, crown on their uh, name? Well, okay. So game changers, they have one game left. They're playing blackouts. That is not promising. No, so I think they'll probably end up a three one. and five, right? Yeah, and blackouts have a chance to finish them one seed. In this, and then uh, Santal are ending with friends without Danny, which is. A very winnable game. So I think that they're unfortunately going to slip. Now, there's another possibility that's available to Game Changers in that Beer Belly Brigade drops their next two games, in which case then they could potentially end up with tie breaks and go over them. Um, Beer Belly Brigade have Kiss My Outlaws and Mangoose left on their schedule. So... There's a possibility that they drop both those games, and now we're into, like I said, tiebreak between Game Changers and Beer Belly Brigade for that 60. But I would see it as Santal are going to jump it, and then the tiebreak situation comes in if uh, Triple B lose both their games. Santal really rebounded. Uh, slow start out of the yeah. gates, and now they look like a much better team than what they were before. I think Santar will jump and get to the get into that sixth spot and drop Game Changers down to the seventh spot, which would be tough because you're so close to the two loss your back pocket, but now you're down to that single elimination. So uh, give me Santar to finish over Game Changers. Um, uh, just quickly, yeah, Hotsaw Sports is just no points for all the points against. It's a little bit disappointing. Uh, I understand it's t- Tier 2, so kudos to them to challenge and themselves. They can the win themselves different. Tier two. They can win this Tier 2, though. Yeah. I can see the excitement in your eyes. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you more excited to eat those candies than your Hot Sauce Sports. They are like quite that. delicious. No, you got that for you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I told her to get you those candies. Did she tell you Thank that? Thank you. She didn't tell you that, did she? Yeah? No. No, I didn't think so. No. Uh, Cobrack of the Year. This is a tight race now. Uh, uh, 
leagues for tier two. Uh, looking at it this morning in terms of what is there, I don't know who's going to be quarterback of the year. I don't know who has the edge to win this uh, award. Um, when, you, when you look at it right now, Nick Schaefer, 34 touchdowns, three INTs, uh, 1,300 yards passing. Stephen Harpersaw, 33 TDs, no INTs, 1,400 yards passing. You got Adam Snagger at 31 and 3. Uh, I know Harpersaw might have the award in terms of the final game here, but. Both these other quarterbacks have put up some good fights here to perhaps get themselves in that conversation. So I'm looking at this from two perspectives. One, if Harper Sod continues at his pace, right, he'll put up another five to six touchdowns in the next two games. He's going to probably cl- cross the 45 mark, maybe. And if he does 45 touchdowns, no interceptions in eight games, that's insane. So if he gets two INTs. Then we start looking at it. And there's also the possibility. I mean, I don't know how likely it'll be, but there's a possibility he ends up winning the tier one quarterback of the year. Doubtful, but possible. So if he does that, that, then he becomes ineligible for tier two. Right. But if he gets, but he's still going to be at the 40. I mean, oh man, that's tough. Because look, okay, here's the way I look at it, right? Sinagra, Schaefer, and uh, Harpersad are all trending towards being in that 45-ish touchdown range. Yes. But Schaefer and Sinagra are trending towards four INTs at the end of the season. So even if Harpersad gets two, he's still technically ahead of them. His sacks are less. His yardage is more. His completion percentage is higher. Like QBR overall is better. So it's going to be really hard to make a case against him. Again, assuming everything goes forward. If he just has a blow up of a game essentially and just doesn't put up the same trend that we're used to and Snagger and Schaefer do then maybe it's a different conversation but right now I think Harper saw it as hands down the one that you have to give it to uh, I think he's got the edge but if he does have a glitch or two with those maybe one or two INTs I think it opens it up for the other guys to get involved so but it's a very fascinating quarterback race yeah, as well uh, sweating beers they're 3-2-1 <laughs> and one. I don't know I, I score kept their games this year I don't know if they're in that conversation of, of being a power team or being the rest of the pack. Um, a bit inconsistent for my liking at times here. Uh, Rocco Cristiano is their, is their roster pretty much. Chris Williams is a good player for this team. Um, Mr. Lynch is a very good player for this team. But I just don't know where they fit in the whole puzzle of where they should be as a unit. So there's two games that are question marky in terms of what's happened this season. One was the team ethnic game, which they tied which I think Thwaiten Beers probably should have had an advantage in. And yeah. the other one is the Beer Belly Brigade, a game where they only put up 15 points in the win, granted. But that one's also a little bit surprising. Other than that, all the other results make sense to me, right? You right. beat Game Changers, you beat Friends of Zeldani, you lose to Mangoose, you lose to Blackouts. That totally is fine. And then to finish their season, they're likely going to beat Hot Sauce Sports. They're likely going to lose to Kiss My Outlaws. So... Yeah, another gatekeeper team, if you want to put it that way, right? You just sit in the middle area, you hold the lower teams down, but you can't beat the ones above you. And yeah, I mean, granted, Rocco Cristiano, that's. It, would you consider this a good season for Tier Two if he kind of ends up being this whole like four and four type of approach? I think so. I think so. I think Rocco's a really good Te- player. Technically four three and one because they tied. But yeah, yeah, I think Rocco's a really good player, and <laughs> I think he's on his way to becoming a, a Division Two player at least, and then maybe Division One in a year or so, uh, whenever teams figure him out. But I just think that for Sweating Beers, they go as far as Rocco takes them. If Rocco has an um, average game, they're not going anywhere. If Rocco plays out of this world, they can go far. They, they, they have that they have the tangible move forward. I mean, that's that. any team, but I think especially here where, where yeah. Rocco has to grow into this roster, but also the division. Exactly. On to women's. 
Um, I was thinking about it today, Eags, with Brutes. Uh, this is a team that I, I'm a big fan of. I've made my my case about why that I believe they're the best team in the women's division this uh, fall cup. Would you would you say they're the best <laughs> women's team ever to play in FPF? That's what I was going to ask the question. Oh, Whoa. look at that. I didn't Very even look at the way. script, and I knew it. Where do they rank with, with the big hitters? Like, if, if this Bruce team went up against the Blue Pood and, and the, the Stingers and all those teams in the winter season, uh, because we know winter is a different animal when it comes to the talent level of, of women's divisions, are they average, above average, or very good? I think they're, I think they're still – okay, so let, let's look at this differently. It's not necessarily the other teams that you're playing against that determine your strength as a team, right? But I think the way you play your game has to be different based on the elevated competition. So I think if they were to be challenged, I can still see them being very good and being able to put up numbers with the other teams. Um, Their execution is very good. We've seen that already. They've had a couple, like... Not struggles, I don't want to call it that, but a couple of times you're like, ah, okay, that seemed like a weird play design, or you know, maybe you should have caught that one, or defense was a little soft, etc. But I mean, that's going to happen to any team. So I still think they, they would still be in the very good competition. Would they be as dominant as they are as they are this season? I highly doubt that. I think to your point, those other university teams would be the strong group for their division. And let's say let's go a nice simple example. Let's say there's ten teams. Yeah, I think Brit would somewhere fall in the four, five, six seed, depending on where it's at. Yeah, right? I think the highest would be three, uh, low is six. But here's the thing, though, right? We look at the team right now, Lawrence Pontbriand. If we did like a proper ten game FPF schedule for her, she would put up video game numbers. Like oh yeah, over sixty catches. Um, I mean, already in seven games, you have 600 yards. She might have over 1,000 yards. That's crazy. That's she crazy. would have 60, over 60 catches, over 1,000 yards, and very close to 20 touchdowns. Bar none, an unbelievable season for her. And that's when we look at both their offense and defense. I don't know which one's better. I think they're both alphas in terms of their, um, how they are as a unit. So I think that if they do come back as this roster for winter season, which I hope they do, they are. They won't be a pushover against some of the the big hitters of the women. No, team. I agree entirely. It's just exactly that. I don't think they'll be uh, as. I mean, like last week, fifty-two to one. Like, come on. Okay, so here's the question about Red Nation. Then, did we overrate Red Nation? Well, no, because if you look into week two, they got beat thirteen nothing, right? So they improved by scoring a point this time around. Uh, but no, seriously, I don't think Red Nation. We knew going into this season that uh, Brut and Vortex were likely going to be the upper teams. We knew Red Nation was going to be dependent on their defense essentially carrying them in games because we knew their offense was not putting up points. And the two null teams, Louvre and Lou, uh, after week one, we knew they were going to struggle. So I think Red Nation putting them in the three seed was very expected. Now, I'm still disappointed in the Red Nation roster only because I expect improvement every year, and this doesn't seem to show that. They've done exactly what we expected. They've beaten the bad teams. Granted, Louvre with a close game, they've lost to the good teams. And so they haven't done anything to tell me that they're ready for that next step. And I'm still not convinced in... um, Allison Sobel. Sobel as QB for this roster. I'm sorry. I just I can't I can't get on board. 
every time I see her, I always ask myself, why are you throwing that ball? You, you, either you hold it too long, you pick the wrong receiver, you make a, a, a bad decision that it results in a pick, and it, that's reflecting your scores. That's unfortunately what's happening here. She's – you don't have to pick on Sobel, but she's like the Matt Ryan of FPF. Yeah. This year's Matt Ryan, not not Atlanta Falcon MVP from five years ago. What I mean, I'm like you th- you look at their roster and you tell yourself, Rachel Valier and Geraldine Cabillo Abante are carrying this team, right? Despite Sobel's, I'll call it detriment at the pivot position for this roster. Uh, Valier, I believe, can play with the, with some of the bigger teams. Oh, 100 percent. And if they're smart, they, they they scoop her up if she does the right nation. But I just think the right nation though they just stagnated. Like they have. Uh, you know, speaking to Lamise, who we love here, and, and others. I mean, we they they feel confident about themselves as a team that they can beat, you know, Vortex or Brutes, but they got to do it now, like because if they don't do it now, it, it it'll ca- not, I'm not saying it'll cast a cloud over them, but it'll cast a question: Are we good enough to play in the highest the women's division come winter season? Yeah. Because if if they're not, you're back in tier two, whatever the breakdown for, for the women's division will be for winter. And you're not really going to grow. You, in th- in, th- in theory, should dominate the tier two. It's like failing a, a grade in school, whether it's high school or elementary. Like you come back, yeah, you should s- smoke the, the, the year afterwards. So <laughs> I think for them, they have to be at a point where do we load up with more talent to become competitive for tier one? Or do we stay as this, as this same core and stay in tier two? And if we're going to be that, then so be it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, again, just to put my point out there, Allison Sobel in five games has 850 completed yards as quarterback. How many did we say? Uh, what's her? Bourbon had? Laurence Bourbon had? The receiver. Yes. She has 616. Yeah. She almost has as many receiving yards as the quarterback does throwing yards. Yeah, yeah it's it's, and I think she has more touchdown passes than uh, or yes. touchdown receptions than Elsie. Yes, exactly. She does. Right. So we'll find out. We'll find out what, what Red Nation does. Now I'm not saying it's, it's a fork in the road, but they're approaching that stats. They need to figure it out what, it, what it's been enough seasons. You know what your problem is. We need to adjust it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. All right. On to div- uh, tier one. Tier one of this division here. Big win for Kangaroos over Braves. And uh, I believe people here on this show picked the Braves to beat the Kangaroos. I believe that's true. Um, it's all because secretly on the FPF staff, we really want the Braves to win everything, right? And we do everything in our power to make sure that happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And uh, Clearly. <laughs> no question. But Because why would we not want the best team to all win every single year? Because that doesn't create a boring storyline, does it, Mo? No, it does not. Uh, definitely not. But this creates a new storyline. Kangaroos, they smashed the Braves. Does this open up the discussion that the Kangaroos, the core group, has surpassed the Braves in the pantheon of where teams are in the overall top-end divisions? I don't think so. Um, I think... The Braves roster every year is slightly different. This year, for example, they've uh, once again not had access to Julien Payment as a rusher. He's been unavailable for work commitment reasons. Um, pr- same thing last year near the end of it. It was a big problem they had. They've moved pieces around. Uh, some familiar names that you usually see on the Braves roster are not on the stat sheet for this particular game. So it's hard for me to look at this and say, oh, yeah, Kangaroo surpassed them. Obviously, the Kangaroos roster, I think, is a very good variation. I think 
Dan Lazara has put the pieces in place that he likes in terms of speed, size, agility. The playbook he likes to run is there. Yeah. I think his defense can give him the stops he needs when he makes that boneheaded decision sometimes. Um, and otherwise, it just puts pressure on the other team to you know go score for score, which I think, again, plays into Kangaroo's favor because I think Lazara, anytime he gets in the field, he knows he's going to score. And if you can put any doubt in the other team's mind about what you're doing on your defense and whether you know you can get past it, I think it's done its job at that point. So definitely, it is a good squad. Had they surpassed Braves, this is one game, Mo. This could have easily been the other way around if Maher doesn't throw a pick or two, if Fana trips on a play and doesn't get it type of stuff, right? So I'm I'm not super convinced just yet, although it is impressive for Kangaroos to definitely get this W. I am impressed by Kangaroos because you look at the overall roster composition, it's explosive on both sides of the football. Gisli Alexi is a difference maker. He's a chief destroyer on defense for what he does. He's a matchup nightmare for those. You look at um, AJ Gomes. He has, I believe, Eagle, a 93% uh, target success rate this year, 19 of 21. That's massive. I, I don't know anyone with a minimum of 20-plus catches that have over 90% uh, success rate. Do you think the uh, the two drops were like a Mike Evans-style drop where it's Perhaps. like in his chest and bounce? This is like Eagle like GPA like numbers here, like IQ oh, level. Thanks, man. What's your IQ, by the way? My IQ? Yeah. I mean, I've never done a formal test, but I think it's somewhere in the 140s. That's massive. That's like AJ Gomes right here for football. 140s. Football uh, IQ. Ferrand is a really good player. So, like, my point I'm going to get to is this. There is no excuse for Kangaroos not to win Tier 1. They have everything you want in your cupboard for you to bake a cake. Everything is there. The key ingredients are there. Can they be blessed? Yeah, they could be blessed. Are you sure they could be blessed? I think if blessed makes it into a game of molasses, it puts a stress on Lazara. But if Lazara is launching missile attacks and hitting his targets on point, I think they could be blessed. Yes, I think Kangaroos are going to win Tier 1. Because they didn't beat blessed in Week 5. I know. I know. But it's a different story come uh, knockout rounds, right? I agree. I agree. I, just, I think the blessed style is the mental game that Lazara needs to learn around, right? It's the whole idea of keep me off the field so I can score. And then they drive and they score. And you get on. You immediately you know, get, get points on the board. And then you have to sit on the bench for another eight minutes and everything. And I think that drives him nuts. And so I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about that matchup every time I see it. Just because I trust blessed to score every play. I trust Lazara to score every play. But... The advantage in my mind always goes to Harper Saad in those matchups just because I think he knows the clock management portion better. Mm -hmm. And I think Lazaro gets a little bit impatient sometimes. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Blessed, if they do win out their game against Braves, they will have the number one suit outright. And it brings up to the next point. Braves, Blessed this weekend. Tail of the tape. This is a fairly – I think this is a strong referendum for Stephen Harper Saad going up against what amounts to be a, a Division One roster for the most part of it at least that if he's able to put up numbers if he's able to get this victory over Braves it would probably heighten the expectation that he can play division one sooner than later and not only that though give them the number one seat and avoid having the Braves early on in the knockout stages of the uh, of the playoffs next month even if they drop this game you don't think Stephen Harper's second play tier one it, when he played in winter of last year 
He was. But that's winter of last year, Mo. That's a lot of games ago. That's a lot of rosters ago. That's sure, a lot of reps ago. But he was like a heartbeat <coughs> behind the flow. He, and that and he asked me like I think I play I go well, you know Steve I go I'll be real man like you're just a little bit behind like you you're there but you just gotta read it you know with more confidence, and this would be a, a good referendum form to see where where do I stack now, compared to where I was eight nine months ago, and if I can surgically dissect this Braves team and win, whatever by plus one or by plus ten or plus fourteen whatever it is. It brings that conversation up to say that we can definitely compete at, the, at tier, uh, Division One sooner than later than maybe three, four years. Yeah, and I think what I like a lot about this blessed roster, if we take a look at it, how many of these players scan through the list already play on like an established Division One roster? Allard. Chintomo, Allard. And that's it. So can you just take this roster? Maybe even Allard wants to stay on this group. Maybe Chantomo doesn't have a team, so he stays in this group as well. And you can go up as a full unit into Divine. And Divorce. they don't have Jonathan Svetnov playing for them this year. Exactly. So there's a lot of things I, I find positive about this roster versus, like we said, teams that kind of come together for fall or even spring. When come winter, like you go back to your, your group, right? Your yeah. boys, and you get on that squad. This team is going to be like fresh new talent in Div 1 if that happens. And so that's the part that I'm actually more excited about here. I would not look further into this uh, Braves matchup to try and build a narrative around that just because I think this squad is absolutely ready for that next challenge. Uh, speaking of uh, KGP, uh, they're in the fourth spot right now. They have STL coming up uh, as their last game next uh, s- uh, Sunday, November 6th. Um, they also beat Braves. By they the did way, beat Braves. That's right. And that's why if if the Braves were to lose and KGP were to win the game, I believe they would jump them for three. So, can the Braves, or I'm sorry, could the KGP hold on to that fourth spot on the green side of the bracket and be a double elimination team then fall into the yellow side? I think they will. They got STL coming up here. STL is a little bit far too inconsistent for my liking. But I think if KGP gets to the top four, same narrative will unfold. Their experience at winning at critical times of the year is going to come up huge at this juncture of the season. I agree. I think they can definitely do it. They've shown that, you know, in those big games, they're managed to, uh, to overcome their adversaries. And uh, this is just going to be another example of that. Now, do you think that there is, in a double elimination bracket, the possibility that they hit a matchup that they shouldn't win, they get by the first time around, but then get caught with their pants on the second time around? Run it once. Yeah. If, they fall, if they fall up against run it once, we know the history with those two teams. Jeff Rosenblatt is a guy has, who has grown as a quarterback at the knockout stages. If they end up playing run it once, that could be their glitch. So I'll be fascinated to see if they do get them at some point in, in the knockout stages. It is now time for Games of the Week. All right, here we go. Uh, not yet. No, I'm still opening up all the tabs. It's a little bit annoying this time around. Also, I got a timestamp. Usually I buy myself more time with this because we can just talk with a bunch of yeah. random stuff, but it's okay. Yeah. And uh, this will probably go fast, actually, than I think of it because it's just us, right? That is correct. All right, we're going to go Tier 4, right. and we're predicting games because the schedule is all screwed up, up until and including November 3rd. So it's just going to be two games for this one. Actually, yeah. three games, rather. Toon Squad, Red Dragons. Red Dragons. Whip 2.0, Deepa Balls. Whip. And Primetime, QB Roulette. Primetime. All right. We're going to go Co-Ed. We have Sneaky Snakes and Iced Out. Iced Out. Sneaky Snakes and Lip Tifuk. LPP. The villains, bench warmers. 
Transformers. La secte, Easy Fun. Easy Fun. Fit Squad, Les Pucker. Fit Squad. Free Smoke, YNY. YNY. Melting Pots, Fast Not Furious. Fast Not Furious. Les Petits Fuck, Melting Pots. Avec me. And La Sec, Badgers. Uh, La Sec. All right, we're going to go tier three. We have Trap Stars, Bruins. Trap Stars. Blue Dreamers, Bandits. Blue Dreamers. The Limo 17-year-olds, Trap Stars. Trap Stars. Warriors, Kiss My In-Laws. Warriors. Sule oh, sorry, hold on. Sorry, Kiss My In-Laws. Sorry, Kiss My In-Laws. Sule Fess, Kiss My In-Laws. Kiss My In-Laws. Arouche, Threat Level Midnight. Uh, Arouche. And Killer Rays, Voodoo. Rays. Tier 2, Hot Sauce Sports, Sweat and Beers. Uh, sweat and Beers. Beer Belly Brigade, Kiss My In-Laws. Friends Without Danny, Mangoose. Hot Sauce Sports, Team Ethnic. Uh, hot Sauce Sports. Kiss My Outlaws, Sweat and Beers. Uh, uh, kiss My Outlaws. Blackouts, Game Changers. Good game here, Blackouts. Centaur, Friends Without Danny. Centaur. Uh, women's Division, we have uh, Louvre du Nord versus Red Nation. Red Nation. Lou du Nord versus Vortex. Vortex. And Red Nation versus Lou du Nord. Red Nation. And finally, we have Tier 1, Hashtag NR, Run It Once. Uh, run It Once. Hashtag NR, Kangaroos. Kangaroos. And that's it for our Games of the Week, Mo. All very right. uh, very quick one this time around. Also, half the picks that we normally have to do. And a very small week of games now that we start yeah. getting to the end of the season. Um, he should be back next week. It'll be him and I. We'll have several rounds of the season. We'll do the Aroosh Challenge next week. Yes, indeed. You have to still tell me which sandwiches you want there, eh? Six. Yeah, but which ones do you want? Do you want the cheesy ones? Do you want the spicy ones? Do you want the Greek ones? Do you want the, the sesame ones? We'll go cheesy ones. Sure you want cheese? Is it with the sauce? No, right? No, there's no sauce. It's just either it's just cheese or there's a half cheese and a half spicy pepper, like a roasted red pepper. We'll have spicy pepper. All right. All right. Um, I'll be uh, – my last show is this next week, and then – you want to explain, like, you're not going away or anything? No, 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 no. I, I mean – Due to broadcast commitments that I have, um, I won't I won't be here for November until the road show. Is road show Sunday Monday? What do we Ooh, do? I don't know actually. We have to talk about that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. In the uh, discussion. But uh, this will be my second to last show. I got one more with Peasy, then Peasy, Laurie, and Iggy and others will be uh, filling in in a rotation for the final three weeks of the season. And that's it. Don't forget winter registration November one, November first, likely a few days after because that's going to be hard for me to turn around on. Considering the season's still going when I have to do the ratings, so sometimes, Rob. Sometimes. Oh, Rob. Anyway. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that once it goes live. Once it goes live, please sign up uh, because it will fill fast for Winter Season 2023, which we, fingers crossed, are projecting that it will start normally as it would do so before COVID. As of right now, it seems to be the case. Um, things are trending well, I guess is the nicest way I could say that. Yep. So uh, no... Potential delays anticipated at this point. We hope not. Fingers we hope crossed. Not. Uh, without further ado, anything else? Uh, no. I'm trying to think of anything now. The rulebook changes will be published soon. We're just going through the revision of that right now. Yeah. And we'll be announcing it officially. We'll be bringing on some referees so we can have that conversation. So that should be fun. And uh, looking forward to the playoffs to start. I'm really excited to see how this double elimination format is going to work. I think it's going to add a twist to Fall Cup that I'm uh, really excited for. And, you know, a lot of matchups that I think, you know, we will see uh, that are a little bit more uh, competitive 
a little bit more like stakes on the line to try and move forward. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, Fall Cup it definitely has been the season ex- experimentation, and this is one that we look forward to seeing how this plays out moving forward. Uh, match words, please. Uh, from all of us here at the week, let's point live. Uh, good night, Jamar Chase. Out for six weeks. Excuse my fancy. Good night, Don the Sports. <laughs>